Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday morning, everybody. Welcome to the Ball Quest podcast. I'm Mary Kane alongside Brent Hubbs, Austin Price, and Rob Lewis. It's brought to you by our friends, Exterior Home Solutions. If you need roofing, siding, windows, or a garage, contact Exterior Home Solutions today. They've been local and trusted since 1999. And you win a free roof from Exterior Home Solutions by nominating a deserving family at exteriorhomesolutions.com slash makeover. That ends on October the 1st. All right, so we're a couple days out from Tennessee losing to Florida in the Swamp. Of course, you have UTSA coming up uh, later in this week. It's going to be a big-time game to see if Tennessee can get back on track, work out some kinks uh, before South Carolina and the rest of the SEC schedule gets here. Uh, Brent Hubbs, after Monday's press conference, feels like Josh Heupel knows there's a lot of self-inflicting wounds that Tennessee needs to correct, and if you correct some of those, you'll be uh, a whole lot better than you fared on Saturday. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that this team, and I know a lot of fans are, are looking for one specific, trying to find one specific thing. You know, what's the quick, what's the one fix? The reality is there's a lot of things to fix for this team. That doesn't mean your season's lost, Austin. It doesn't mean that it's it's over with and all those things. But it, it, it's what Josh Heupel was, was talking about. It is the little things they've got to get better. You can't have 10 penalties. Can't do it. You can't ha- you can't cost yourself two timeouts because your play clock's running down on the road. I mean, there, there, there's a million million things like that that has to improve. That's not what fans want to hear, Austin, because it makes you feel like your problems are much more magnified. But it's not a remove someone, plug someone in, and everything's fixed. And I yeah, think that's what everybody's got to understand. Yeah, and most people you, you you see the target of most fans' frustration. They you know, they want quarterback change because that yeah, that where it all starts and ends, right? I mean. You know, they, they, they're ready to move on to Nico. Um, the, the staff, you know, you hear Josh Heupel talk on Monday. It's clear he's not going to do that. You know, it feels like that Joe's decision-making, where he was, you know, out with his eyes, where he went with the football, was really, really good, except for the one forced throw when he got ear-holed um, through the interception. And, you know, uh, you know again, you know, a, a bunch of, you know, little things equal one big thing. You know, it, it's not just Joe. Joe's not perfect. Joe definitely deserves some criticism. Now, he's the leader of the offense that scored 16 points and 30 points against a, a lowly Austin P team. So, um, but at the same time, like they've got issues on the offensive line, um, you know, defensively, you know, uh, you got to tackle better. You got to be better in the front seven uh, than they were the other night against Florida, where, you know, Etienne ran for a career high 170 plus yards. And, um, you know, they've got to get it figured out. You know, and, and they got to do it in quick order. And if it starts this week with UTSA, an opponent that if you let hang around, uh, could beat you in the fourth quarter. But if you go out and play the way you're capable of playing, you should win this football game. Yeah, and Josh Hobbs spoke really highly about UTSA, and we'll continue to break UTSA down as the week goes on. I, I will be clear through three games, the numbers are not impressive with UTSA offensively. They didn't have their starting quarterback 
uh, against Army. Um, but again, we'll we'll, we'll kind of get into that as the week goes on. Rob, I want to ask you about Joe Milton, but before I get to that, let's hear from Josh Heupel. Uh, this is from Monday. He was asked about the performance uh, of Joe Milton. Obviously, that's what everybody wants to know. What does he think about Joe Milton? And on that interception, what would he have done in that situation? Here's Josh Heupel on his quarterback and Joe Milton. Good things the, uh, the other night. Um, you know, the pick, uh, we, we can't just throw it up. Uh, you'd like to have that one back. Man, we got to be better in protection, too, in, the, in that situation. Um, the decision-making, where he's going with the football, I said it before the game. I said, I'll say it after the game, too. He was in the right spots. Accuracy, like wide receivers being exact in their routes, all those things got to continue to improve for us to be as efficient as we need to be. Rob, AP and I, uh, we were doing the post-game mini-pod, you know, about an hour after the game was over with, and just sitting down there, and everything's raw, and it's fresh on your mind, and I'm sitting here running through things that went wrong for Tennessee in that game, and I'm like, tackling, poor angling, horrible offensive line play, all that. Before I even got to Joe, and AP made the point, and I mean, I completely agree, and he's already said it today, at the end of the day, you're the quarterback of a team that scored 16 points on the road in SEC play. Uh, it's not good enough. Uh, what did you think about the offensive per- production and, and, and Joe Milton, you know, his play, knowing it's got to get better, but also that there was a lot of things that went wrong? I, mean, I just didn't think he was the problem. I mean, was he great? A- absolutely not. I mean, no. he's not the reason that, that Tennessee lost that game. I, I, I bet, you know, any of us, if we if, if somebody would said, hey, Joe's going to throw for 290 yards, complete. Six- look at that. Stud. Oh, look at that. Look that. Right there. <laughs> 60 percent of his yeah jason swain there he is and hey don't 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 sleep on glenn glenn thaxon back there too ball network legend in the frame but i mean if if you would have known that joe was going to throw for 290 complete 60 percent have two touchdowns and yeah one really bad interception i would have thought tennessee was going to win that game you know by a couple of scores but you know then you factor in you, you average three yards a carry you know the penalties which you know we've all talked about ad nauseum which were just egregious um you know the missed tackling. I, I just like you said, Eric. I mean, I think that I think that's a good snapshot. You you check a lot of boxes for why Tennessee lost in Gainesville before you get the number seven. Well, here, here's the other thing though with, with Joe. There, there's two things here that I think fuel a lot of the fan. Three things that fuel the fans' conversation about this. One, Nico's a five star. Okay, number one player in the class according to on three. That that that's an immediate that's an immediate reaction from fans about how good he is. Whether he is or he's not, well, time will tell. So that's one thing. Second thing is Hendon Hooker was probably better than we even gave him credit for, and he got a lot of credit last year. Hendon Hooker righted a lot of wrongs with his ability to make plays off schedule, um, out in the perimeter, with his legs, just righting wrongs. Hendon Hooker was really good. I, I won't say generational AP. That's probably a little much. But but he, in this offense, was a perfect marriage and was unbelievable a year ago. You knew there'd be a drop-off. Probably didn't realize just how good Hendon was a year ago and, and what that offense was doing. Then thirdly, you got Joe. You're never going to hit all the deep balls, right? But he missed a couple Saturday. What's that conjure up reflections of? Overthrow Joe. The first time. You got the two-point conversion. He doesn't force it in there, try to make a play. He runs out of bounds. A la Ole Miss, running out of bounds. Clock goes down. All those things gets conjured up. And the result of the conversation or the result of that thought process is Joe's the problem. Joe's not good enough. 
and that's the, that's that's the billing of being the starting quarterback at Tennessee, replacing a really good player, um, you know, and and not producing as much as you need to produce. Again, many many problems this team has to fix beyond Joe Milton playing a little bit better uh, than than he played. Now he was much better against Florida than he was against Austin P. He was oh, not yeah. very good against Austin P. He was, as you said, Eric, he's way down the list of the issues that you've got going on with your offense right now. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't know that anybody thinks Nico's ready anyway. That does, that's not what any fan wants to hear. But, Austin, that's, that's where this thing, based on every comment, everybody you talk to privately, publicly, everywhere, that's where that one feels like it is right now. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's ready or not. I don't. I, no one said he's not ready. To me, I, I just more think it more more boils down to they think they would be doing Nico a disservice to put him in um, with where they're at offensively right now. They've got to get some things cured up around Joe um, and, and go from there. I'll add in. I'll add in number four is for the fans. They watched four years: the Larry Scott year and then the three years under Jeremy of just atrocious offensive football. And then all of a sudden they started scoring points. And now it feels like this year they're going back to not scoring as much and struggling to get the ball into the end zone. And I think fans are hitting the, a hardcore panic button because it's like, whoa, whoa, we had so much fun. Even at seven and five two years ago, had so much fun, you know, drilling South Carolina and drilling Missouri and, and you know, and all that. Um, winning 45-42 in Lexington, uh, but putting up points and doing so. And then, of course, last year was magical, right? Um, but all of a sudden this year it feels like the offense is more back towards like struggling to get to 20 and 30. And, and, and it just it feels like everything, you know, when you do score, you've moved heavens and earth to do so last year, it all just came so easy. And I think fans, I think that's a panic, uh, you know, and, and, and I get it. I mean, again, you watch four years of just bad, bad offensive football. Um, I don't think they're going back in that type of direction though. And, and Hubbard to add to your point, I think about how good Hibbard was, you know, making, you know, just, just something happened when it all broke down. I think that just, you know, highlights, you know, kind of what Heupel's talking about with execution and having to clean things up because the guys around Joe have to be better. Than, I mean, because a mistake is costly. And that's, you know, not a knock on Joe, but he's just a different player than, than Hendon was in that kind of thing. So now you get to, you know, if something breaks down, I mean, the play's over. Whereas last year, sometimes the fun had just begun yeah. you know, when that happened. Well, I mean – Look, they were better on the offensive line a year ago. Okay, there's no mm -hmm. doubt. You're playing with a top ten tackle in Darnell Wright. You're playing with an NFL guy in Jerome Carvin. You had Cooper Mays out there. They were better. Um, but 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 Hendon could also fix the wrongs of an offensive lineman too. You know, or if a running back missed a protection, or you know, what I'm saying he, he could get out of the way and create some things happening. I mean. I don't think South Carolina's offensive line is very good, but Spencer Rattler is helping them out because of the things he can do. That's just not Joe's game. So to your point, Rob, you're exactly right. Everybody around them has to ramp up their game and doing those things. I don't know that that's Nico's game either, okay? So I don't know that that's just you're suddenly putting in this dynamic athlete who's going to run for, you know, be your second leading rusher or your number one rusher in a game. I, I just think this is the adjustment and the change to the offense that comes with a different quarterback. That's to me, that's just kind of the reality of it. And kind of on that note of guys around Joe getting better. Um, and that's everybody that's running backs as receivers, you know, that's defense of course, but specifically this conversation is about the offensive line. The offensive line was not good 
um, on the road at Florida last weekend. Josh Hopples asked about that, and then specifically about the crowd noise. You can't replicate that in practice. You just can't. But what are some things that you do to kind of work on that to make it a little bit easier when you're on the road? Here's what Josh Hopple said on those things on Monday's press conference. They're just not as consistent as we need them to be. Um, and that's really the entire offensive unit. I thought the wide receivers took a step in the right direction, um, you know, from, from how they had performed uh, the previous weeks. But uh, collectively as a group, just not as consistent as, as you need to be to, to go on the road, to play a good team, and uh, be able to move the football and ultimately score points. Like the, the self-inflicted wounds that goes into – you know how you're you're scoring in the red zone too, and and um, it's not a game of un, unlimited opportunities. You got to maximize them. You can't put yourself in you know first and twenty and and uh, try to play ball. Um, we've done a lot of things. Um, need to ramp it up, I guess. Uh, and when I say I guess, I meaning only intensify it. Um, we got to be able to function better than we did. Part of that is the noise. Part of it's being able to reset from one play to the next. That's the the hardest part to replicate during practice. I mean, it's tough playing on the road. Uh, nobody said it's easy to play on the road in this league, but you go back, you look at at Georgia, at South Carolina, then at Florida this year. Of course, the two games I mentioned earlier, that was last year. I haven't handled the road very well, especially when it gets loud. It was loud at Florida the other night. It was very loud. It was deafening in Athens last year. And, you know, it, it's tough to, to replicate that in practice, like, like we just mentioned, like he just mentioned. But if you're the quarterback, Rob, it's just kind of one of those things that falls on you, right? I mean, you got to make sure that everything, everybody can hear you, whatever you're doing. That's one of those things to where, sure, it's you have all these false star penalties, and I'm not saying that that's just straight Joe Milton's fault, but at the end of the day, you are the quarterback. It's it's part of your operation, and that's something Tennessee, that was one of the biggest disappointments about Saturday is Tennessee just looked like a Little League team out there at points and times. <laughs> yeah, and I would – I would also toss it. I, I I I would think that Cooper has an impact on that as well. His absence. I mean, and you know, I, I'm I, I I get I agree with you, Eric. It's you know more the quarterback, but when you're talking about you know, the procedures, you know, pre-snap stuff, I, I think I think Cooper helps with that. And also, I don't know the answer to this. I just like to know y'all's thoughts when we're talking about the road, you know, the road games, the problems we've seen going back to last year. I wonder how much you know play it, trying to play at that tempo influences that or has to do with it i don't know if it does again i don't know the answer i just you know wonder what you guys think about it well i mean i think it clearly the noise makes it hard to change play because you can't just whistle out there and get everybody's attention and you know when everybody looks over there and quickly uh, sees the call and, and moves on because clearly joe is going up and down the sidelines to um you know to figure out kind of where they were and and trying to make the adjustments and, and make the calls and all those types of things um, you know, I, I looked it up last year. They had seven penalties for 60 yards at South Carolina. I don't, I don't know how many of those were offensive pre-snap penalties. Um, I think part of your issue at Georgia last year too, was the, the level of competition and the magnitude of the game you were in. That was a championship. That was for a championship type game. Um, Austin, I think you, you're looking at this. Rob makes a good point. I mean, Ollie Lane never played center on the road. Um, Crawford had played on the road in the SEC. Campbell has never played on the road in the SEC. Carrick never played on the road in the SEC. Um, Spragans has. Joe Milton never been in that environment in the SEC. He had three road starts as a quarterback, and that was in a COVID year at Michigan. I, I think I think the noise shocked them. I mean, I think the noise started them. It was a lot 
lot harder than they ever thought it would be. And Josh Heupel was kind of downplaying that noise a little bit last week when asked about it on Thursday. Like, yeah, we'll handle the noise fine. They clearly didn't. They were clearly bothered by it. Bothered dramatically. And 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 I do think Rob brings up a good point. And that's not to, you know, you can just, you know, you know that, that's not an excuse for them. But I think, you know, when you've not done something before, it can be uh, a real wake-up call. And, you know, again, Ollie wasn't even playing center, you know, six weeks ago. And, you know, now he's Tennessee's center until Cooper comes back. And, you know, again, I think they just have some major problems up front. The communication was bad across the board. It wasn't just one person. It wasn't just the, the left tackle jumping off sides because the, the one particular defensive end was, you know, living in his head. This was, you know, across the board. Um, you know, the group struggled and, you know, I, I get, you know, I, CSW all put on the board, you know, I, and they've only given up three sacks in three games, but sacks isn't a, a telltale. I mean, like if you're affecting the play and, 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 and causing the quarterback to be under duress, you know, you cannot give up a sack and they alter how the play happens. Well, you would, you would certainly wish they would have had two sacks on Saturday instead of Joe getting it out of his hands for a flutter. <laughs> You'd rather have the sack there. I mean, I think you had a couple of things. There one time they had a snap infraction because Joe clapped, you know, and, and the yeah. ball wasn't snapped or, you know, that there was confusion on when to snap the ball there because they probably couldn't hear the clap. There was another one on rewatch that I looked at, Eric. Keurig had his head turned to Joe, was looking at Joe when the ball was snapped. Yep. I mean – you're not going to get your head around and block the guy coming across from you when that happens. I mean, they were just There's all another off. play. Sorry to cut you off. There's another play where J.J. Crawford's literally saying, what's the play, what's the play, yeah. and just tell him to get down. Yeah. I mean, I it, remember it, that one for sure. And then, and then there's no bigger example. There's no finer example than burning those two timeouts in the first drive of the, of the third quarter, which, I mean, how big was that? Yeah. I mean, they have got to address and look at their communication and how to how to improve that on the road moving forward because um it, it was it bothered them in Athens Georgia a year ago um it had some effect on them in South Carolina uh, you know they they still scored a good number of points in that game they just couldn't stop anybody and, and it had a real effect with them Saturday night for sure well, in Athens and, and and you know unfortunately for Tennessee Hubber they're at home basically the next month and their next road game isn't like kind of like a Missouri or a Kentucky that you can kind of you know, you, you hear it, but you don't hear it. Like their best, their hardest two road environments are their first two road environments. Mm-hmm. So they'll go to Alabama next and that place will be, you know, amp try to, you know, re- repeal last year's win. So, I mean, like it's, I don't know how you fix it, you know. Um, well, but, but, but I mean, here's the thing. I mean, you, you've got to, you've got to work on your community, you, you, whether your hand signals or what you're doing. I mean, you can't say, well, we're, we're going to get, we're going to ease into road to a road game because we're playing at a place that's not very loud. That doesn't, that doesn't help you either. I mean, you can't say, well, we're a little bit better at it because we played at a mediocre loud place. I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? You, you got to go, you, you got to, you know, I'm just going off the standpoint of working on communication. having having kind of like, I always use the pool example. Like, you get into the pool into the shallow end at a Kentucky, Missouri, where you still have to, you know, do those things and work on your communication, but it's not as overwhelming as Alabama, like the deep end. Um, now, I mean, I don't know what you guys think. What do you think about if they just literally worked on communication for the next 30 days when they went to practice every day, they, they literally turned on the music like they were going on the road that week. I mean, 
I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm just thinking out loud of things they can do. You certainly do. don't want to have to cross this bridge when you get there in a month and start preparing for Alabama, to your point. Um, you, you don't want that to be the next time you work on it because you have all this time. But at the same time, still, there's so many different things you need to work on that you need to kind of focus on focus on you before you focus on anything else, right? I mean, does that kind of make sense? Well, like, you're not going on the road for another month. So just focus on what you got to focus on, then kind of worry about – you know, the, the, the crowd noise and all that when the time comes. I, I don't know. I Just kind of how I look at it, but certainly I think that they can start pumping in some more of that stuff over the next month and try to figure some things out. Well, and I think at some point, too, you just got to – you kind of got to line up and go with it, right? I, I mean, I felt like at times they were trying to be too finite with a perfect call, right? Like like we're at the line of – they're at the line of scrimmage, you know, the, they signal in the play – and then Florida jumps into something and, and Joe puts his hands up and, and says, wait, they look over and they get something else. Florida moves again. Wait, let's get something else. You can't change the play with eight seconds left on the play clock. It just, it, it doesn't work that way. And that's what got them. That's what got them both times to start the second half. They were trying to audible inside 10 seconds on the play clock. You just can't do that. Sometimes you just kind of got to line up and go with what you got and, and not get caught in the, cat and mouse game that I think they got caught up in a couple of times with offensive play calling. We're going to continue this conversation, of course, continuing looking back at Tennessee and Florida, looking ahead to UTSA. Um, going to talk about this offensive line, all that and more right here on the VolQuest podcast. But first, uh, let's get a word from our proud sponsors, Exterior Home Solutions. Nominate a family that you think is deserving of an exterior home makeover. A gift from your friends at Exterior Home Solutions. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you so much to Exterior Home Solutions, making all this coverage possible right here on the VolQuest Podcast. Thank you guys for being here here on a Tuesday. Um, let's continue back and, and, and talk about the offensive line. Uh, Gerald Mincy, uh, of course, the situation there, uh, reported on, on Sunday that he was uh, stopped and, and, and cited for simple possession. He was on the road. He did suit out. He was on field goal and PAT, but did not play on offense. Uh, Josh Heupel was asked about his offensive tackle, Gerald Mincy. That availability, that was at the Monday press conference. Here is that exchange, as he didn't really want to talk about it. Just a couple questions on the Gerald Mincy situation. He didn't play on offense the other night. Was that punishment for the citation? Yeah, we just uh, decided not to uh, to play him on the offensive side of the ball. And, and why did he play on special teams? But yeah, no. we just made that decision. Will he be available to play on uh, on Saturday? Yeah, we got a long week here. We'll uh, We'll go through the week. So clearly not wanting to discuss that. Um, so Austin, you know, when Gerald Mincy does get back there and he's playing more tackle, it's still going to, you know, split split timeshare over there, right tackle with J.J. Crawford. But the struggles of the offensive line, is it as simple as getting Cooper back full-time, playing more Mincy? It won't be perfect, but should we see a, a, a better product on the offensive line? I don't think any of us know. Yeah. You know, I mean, Cooper's not played with this collaboration of offensive linemen. You know, I think if this was last year's offensive line, you would the answer would be easily yes. Um, but this is a different collaboration of linemen. He no longer has Carvin to his left. He's got Andre Kerrig or whoever they have lined up lining up there. Um, the tackles are different, and uh, 
So I, I, I just don't know. I, I don't think any of us know until uh, Cooper gets back and is uh, good to go. And, Rob, not to say that Gerald Mincy playing right tackle the other night would have fixed everything in Tennessee would have won, but J.J. Crawford, uh, among other offensive linemen, just yeah, really struggled. struggled. He's struggled. And I know, you know, we all have issues with, with pro football focus from time to time. You know, sometimes the grades don't reflect what we think we see. But, I mean, I, I think that it, they reflect that this week what we thought we saw from Mincy. I mean, he was – Far and away, the lowest graded guy in pa- or from Crawford, excuse me, from the lowest graded guy in, in pass protection uh, on the offensive line, the lowest graded guy, in, you know, in run blocking. Just a, a tough night for him. And again, you know, Mincy's not, and I'm not saying he's an all SEC player by, by any stretch of the imagination, but I, in, in limited action so forth this year, he's he's been the better guy. And it would have just been better to, you know, have an, have an option on, on Saturday night with the way Tennessee was, was struggling to run the football. Well, it sounds like they had an option. They just didn't go. They, okay. they, didn't, they didn't elect to choose that option for for whatever the, the reason was. I mean that 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 whole that whole narrative is is a head scratcher. It just, I mean, Austin, you like to say two plus two equals four. That though that that answer isn't two plus two equals four. When no, it's not. To it and um, not 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 the best moment in terms of explaining um, your decision making process and, and that ordeal there. No, I mean, again, two is, you know, he, he didn't play. And two is he was cited for simple possession marijuana out past uh, Thursday night curfew. That's four. He did not play uh, any offense. But, you know, I don't I don't understand the, the logic and the reason. Just say, hey, look, we decided not to play him, you know. Um, the problem violation is, violation yeah, of team rules. You know, they suspended him. They suspended him for offensive plays, but but not for special teams. I mean, it, it's it's a storyline that's there because of two snaps on special teams. It's yeah. it's it, it's a different story because of two snaps on special teams. It's not worth it, you know. I mean, it's just it just doesn't make any sense. Um, if you didn't, if you wanted to suspend him, suspend him. Don't dress him. Don't play him. If you want to play him, you're the head coach. You could say, hey. We're handling that matter internally, and he played. But to play him two snaps and not try to help your offensive line out that's struggling, that doesn't doesn't something doesn't add up there. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't uh, let me say I don't understand the reasoning. Let me yeah. let me preface it that way. Because what it looks like from the outside is you took him just in case you absolutely had to play him a tackle. You know, say say Campbell or, or Crawford goes down with injury. Um, but the suspension was you're just not going to let it, allow you to play offense. I mean, at that point in time, you have Dane Davis who's snapping the football a little bit. Like, he, he's a tackle, and it's not like, oh, we're going to take him just in case we need him. Well, hell, you needed him. Offensive line sucked. Tennessee got whipped, and you still didn't play him. So it just looks really bizarre. It is what it is. We've talked a lot about offense. Um, question was asked Monday uh, about Dylan Sampson. He was available, Josh Hopple says. Uh, Joshua Josephs did not see any action. That's kind of a head-scratcher because of the rotation up front. Uh, did Nico Slaughter, uh, game-time decision. We checked on that after the game, and uh, he just wasn't able to go. Don't think that's going to be something like long-term, but he was, you know, he gave it a go in warm-ups. He was in pads and, and right there on the sideline. That's kind of why those guys didn't play. But defensively, Rob, uh, liked a lot what you saw the first two weeks, knowing that Florida's a step up in competition and all that. Uh, didn't get as much pressure on the quarterback. Linebackers, not a good day. The secondary missed 10 
tackles. Ten of your 11 missed tackles came from the defensive secondary. Not a good day whatsoever for defense. And, I mean, I know I'm not breaking any news there. Yeah, I mean, the tackling in the first half especially was just just awful. On, on Edian's big run, you know, Walker and, and Haddon both just whiffed. I mean, Walker had a, a bad – you know, missed him. I mean, good good job of Edian. And Haddon, I just – I don't even know what that was. Just egregious. But uh, I really surprised at how Florida w- was able to get push in the front seven. And, you know, I don't even think the, the final numbers do it justice because, I mean, how much did they take their foot off the gas – in the second half, I give Tennessee credit for the third quarter. I thought they came out; they were salty. They forced those two early three and outs. But man, I mean, Florida is just manhandled in the first half. 135 yards rushing, 281 total yards, and you know scored touchdowns on on four straight possessions there in the second quarter to take control of the game. And that that really caught me off guard. One, I didn't think Florida was very good, and I, I still am not convinced that that, that they're very good offensively. And, and two, I, I think we had all agreed. You know, we didn't think Tennessee was the 1985 Bears, but we thought they were better on, on that side of the ball, you know, especially in the, in the front seven, especially in the pass rush. Now, I, th- I think Florida, you know, game plan for that pass rush. I mean, they weren't holding the ball long. I think, Britt, you had the stat yesterday. Did he even throw one 20 yards to the air? He did not, did he? he did not. So, I mean, I, I don't – I mean, I, I think Florida made a concerted effort to not let the, you know, let the pass rush get home and, and affect him. But just the way that, you know, they were able to get five, six yards of carry and get critical first downs when they needed them. Um, I was, I, I was caught off guard by just how, you know, wrong footed, I guess, is a way to put Tennessee's defense looking that first half. Brett, they weren't asking Mertz to be Superman. They, they wanted him to be very pedestrian. He was very pedestrian, and he did exactly what he was supposed to do. There was one third-down play where he got out of the pocket, made a throw on the run, and got a first down. I thought that was a nice play. I'm not trying to take anything away from him because, again, he did exactly what Florida wanted him to do. Uh, but he didn't throw it 20 yards down the field. There was a lot of eye candy, uh, moving guys around a lot, motion, man coverage, all that type of stuff. And uh, Tennessee's linebackers, I think, struggle with that a little bit. Well, I mean, look, here's where Tennessee's at moving forward, okay? Until they show they can handle the crossing intermediate stuff, the underneath – stuff until they can handle those crossers and pass coverage everybody's going to throw them south carolina did it a year ago and 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 caused tennessee all kinds of problems florida took a lot of that game plan did some things with that they took some of the austin p stuff did some things with that tennessee's going to get tested in the line of scrimmage 10 yards down the field they're going to have to play better star position's got to play better they're going to have to play better at linebacker and coverage and then when the opportunity presents itself on third down they got to get off the field. It's the story that was of a year ago. I mean, what, all, all we heard about is third and long, you got to get off the field. In the first half, Florida converted three third and fives. I think a third and nine and a third and 11. There was one third down conversion that was a third and one. It was third and goal at the one-yard line. Everything else that they converted, if I'm not mistaken, was third and five or longer. So it's third and medium or longer. you got to get off the field. And if that means you got to be a more aggressive, Austin – if, I don't know what you've got to do, but you've got to find a way to get off the field when you've got a team in third and seven, third and nine, third and 11. Tennessee didn't do that in the second quarter, and the result is Florida kept the football and scored 20 points, and Tennessee got shut out. Yeah, and, and you know, all it does is keeps your defense out there longer. Um, it, it keeps your offense off the field. Um, you know, it, two things that I think, you know, hurt Tennessee in the long run because, again, um, you got a lot of guys out there playing a lot of snaps. It's hot, 
And then, you know, offensively, you know, you're, you're taking the ball out of, you know, you know, the quarterback's hands, Tennessee's offense's hands. And, you know, the, the way the new clock rules are set up, you know, the game's going to be shortened a little bit, you know, and so you're going to lose a possession here or there when all that happens. So you're right. You've got to get off the field. I don't know if that is, you know, bringing pressure or what, but, you know, right now, you know, Tennessee's got to regroup this week and, again, see if they can figure some things out. Um, before South Carolina rolls into town, a South Carolina team that's plenty capable, having um, you know defensively been you know you know pretty salty up front and offensively they've moved the ball. I've not scored a ton of points, but they've 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 moved the ball a ton. And Rattler has picked up right where he left off at the end of last year. Yeah, no no doubt about that. Here's the thing too, Rob. I, I don't I don't have the ESPN analytics. What your percentages of winning and what your percentages of losing are and all those things. And we can talk about the offense and not scoring more than 16 points, all those things. Josh Heupel's never won a game as a head coach where his team scored less than 30 points. I would venture to say, though, if you give up touchdowns on four consecutive possessions in the second quarter, you're not going to win a football game in this conference very often. Maybe you rally and and beat somebody who's not very good, but you're not going to win a high-level football game where you give up four consecutive touchdowns on defense. <laughs> it's so funny you mentioned that because this is no lie. I was watching SportsCenter as Scott Van Pelt was talking about the Cincinnati Bengals losing their first two games of the season and then throwing up a graphic on, you know, exactly how many times, you know, teams don't make the playoffs under that as I was writing the 3-2-1 and thought the exact same thing. <laughs> you know, what's the win probability when you give up four straight touchdowns? <laughs> In the second quarter, that's too funny. No, I, I, I had the precise same thought. I was like, man, I bet that's just about zero. So, I mean, nothing's going to wash this bad taste out of your mouth if you're a Tennessee fan. I get this. If you're a player in that locker room, if you're a coach, um, I mean, that was bad. But knowing you're not going to get, you know, with all due respect, UTSA, which again, you can't just roll over. You got to show up. You got to play and everything. Even if you win, you go win that game by 30 points. Austin, it's going to be like, oh, it's just UTSA, whatever. Having said that. You need to see a lot, but what do you need to see from Tennessee this week? It's a new week. You want to snap and clear. I mean, what 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 are some things that you got to see that you're gonna when you leave Neyland Stadium Saturday night? You're gonna say, okay, well, at least that looked better. Let's see if it can translate to SEC play. Yeah, you want to see them go out there and beat the hell out of them. Yeah. Like you know, I mean that that, that that's that defensively, offensively, rallying to the football, no explosive plays on defense, offensively. More explosive plays. Better get some turnovers team. defensively. Yeah, forcing turnovers defensively, absolutely. Um, special teams, you know, when, when when that. I mean, you know, the other night, the kicker and the punter, I thought, you know, did a really good job. Especially, you know, you go like two weeks and everybody's like, oh, Jackson Ross is terrible. I mean, we get rid of him, send him back to Australia, blah, 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 blah. And, I mean, you know, he's just gotten better, uh, you know, as Hypo said he would after that first game. Um, you know, he's gotten better and, and handled everything down the swamp fairly well the other night. And, um, you know, I, I just think you just want to come out and compete. Now, at the end of it, if you do if you do what I just said and you win big, everybody's going to go, well, it's UTSA. Well, it, but you're supposed to do that, right? Like, you'd yeah. rather do, do that than win 27 to 20 against UTSA. Or, so, I mean, like – You look like you did against Austin P or Alabama yeah. in Tampa. Yeah. yeah. You can just get some mojo going. Like, like you know, like it's like that, um, you know, you, you, you see that – one or two plays with a team occasionally, and all of a sudden, boom, here comes another one. Boom, here comes another one. Boom, here comes another one. Remember when Tennessee went, scored, what, 38 unanswered against Florida in 2016? I mean, it was like one play after another on both sides of the ball. They were feeding off each other. And I'm not saying that's this game, but, I mean, you need something similar. You need to feed off each other 
as a team? Yeah, for me, for me, there's two specific things, Eric. I mean, I agree with everything Austin say. You, you got to go win. But for me, one thing on each side of the ball. Offensively, play with some tempo. And look, if that means you don't audible as much, don't audible as much. But play fast because that's such a part of what you do to wear people down. Get in that tempo and get going. When you get in the red zone, let's don't slow it down like you did against Virginia and huddle up and figure out what you're doing. Keep playing fast would be the first thing for me offensively. Defensively, you, you got to show some growth in defending the middle of the field because I'm telling you right now, everybody they're play they, that they play is going to attack Tennessee in that zero to 10-yard range to, until Tennessee shows they can defend that better. Those are my two specific things, Rob, when I look at this matchup and what Tennessee should try to get accomplished besides winning and winning big this week. Yeah, I, I would say play clean. I mean, because I mean, through three weeks, they've got 24 penalties. Um, only Arkansas in the league has been worse. I mean, you probably, you know, not going to call it, may, probably won't cost you this game, but you got to start developing some good habits th- that way. And, um, you know, just find some, I mean, I, I think Austin said, I mean, find some mojo. I mean, get this at no point in time in these, may, in these three games, has it, has it felt like, you know, it felt last year. And, and that's, and that's not on Joe, all on Joe Milton. I mean, I'm just talking about, you know, like you're talking about Hubbard, the tempo moving a million miles an hour getting defenses on, on their heels, making, you know, consecutive chunk plays, having, you know, a couple of two- and three-minute touchdown drives strung together. That just, you know, that, that fast-break offense has, has not been there this year. And I think that's so much a part of an identity uh, of, of the program, the way Hopple plays football. It just feels feels like, you know, they, they kind of, like, like AP said, they've, they've lost their mojo right now. 85 like, like Austin Powers, baby. Like Austin Powers, <laughs> they lost his mojo. 85 offensive snaps in the win over Virginia, 65 in the lackluster performance against Austin P. 63 plays against Florida. Uh, yeah. I couldn't agree more. You've got you gotta gotta get back to running some plays and, and playing more of this Heibel brand of offense. You can't um, get behind the sticks. Okay, that that slows everything down. You, yeah. you get that, which goes to what Rob's saying. To do that, you've got to play clean. They've got to play clean, and then they've just got to go. Just hair on fire. Let let's go. If it's a if it's a bad play, line up and run another one. Just 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 go faster than they're going right now. Yeah, and that's something that's something Heibel mentioned several times on Monday. It's leave the last play there. Like move on. Don't don't you know if if you are if you're a quarterback that's like if you're a quarterback or a cornerback, um, that 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 is so important to remember for anybody. But those two positions for sure. Uh, same with the Tennessee offense. What well, thing I'm looking forward to, and and again we'll we'll talk UTSA as the rest of the week goes on. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I'm looking at the stats right now. Tennessee's got one fumble recovery. That came off a punt. Tennessee has one interception. That was Kamal Haddon, and that was against Austin P. I I mean, this, I want to see this defense force some turnovers and give some possession backs uh, to the offense. Um, that's just something we haven't seen through three weeks, even when the pressure was really good in weeks one and two. So that's something I'm looking forward to. It is going to be a big week for Tennessee, trying to get back on track with UTSA coming in to Neyland Stadium Saturday for the 4 o'clock Eastern time kick. Um, we'll see if this offense looks more like a Josh Heupel offense. We'll see if this defense can respond. And we'll see if Tennessee can indeed beat the heck out of the opponent before getting back into Southeastern Conference play. Uh, that's on the docket for Saturday. We'll continue to preview that matchup and look back a little bit to the Florida loss all week long over at VolQuest.com. Big thanks to our friends, Exterior Home Solutions, for 
uh, making this coverage possible. As always, if you have a need for siding, windows, garage, you can contact Exterior Home Solutions today. Roofing as well. They've been local and trusted since 1999. Give them a call today for a free estimate. It's at 865-524-5888 or visit them online at ExteriorHomeSolutions.com. For Rob Lewis, Brent Hubs, Austin Price, I am Eric Kane. Thank you so much for being here and listening to the Ball Plus Podcast. You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.